Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening and today I want to talk about planning your self-sufficient garden because it's a perfect activity over winter and obviously this podcast comes after a couple of weeks of there being no podcast so thank you very much for your patience and if you are a regular listener thank you for coming back. I'm terribly sorry that we've had um, such a delay. We've run into a number of, um, we'll say technical difficulties um, with owning an older home that had to take um, some precedence of us getting things repaired like the electrics and uh, a few other bits and pieces that kind of happened unexpectedly but um you know this is a really great time of year to be sitting down and thinking about the garden that's going to be coming in the next season because now the seed catalogs are flying in i've got at least three or four of them that have been delivered now um it's definitely worth taking some time to really plan your garden before going overboard on buying seeds and i get it all those pretty pictures enticing descriptions they're screaming at you to buy me, buy me right now. Like, I would be great to grow in your garden. Um, of course, the best way that we can really preserve seeds, because, I mean, I love some of these heirloom seeds that are coming through. And the catalogs are absolutely gorgeous. But one thing that, you know, is really important for us to remember that one of the best ways to really preserve seeds is to grow them in our gardens, to save them ourselves and to share them with others. So let's talk about where do you begin in planning your garden, right? Um, I find looking through the seed catalogs at the veggies I like is a really great place to start. Um, but more importantly, knowing the space that you have available to grow, right? Really take some time to look at your garden space and figure out how much you really use of a vegetable or fruit. That's what's going to help you have a more successful garden because you're going to be using the produce that you're producing. Thing. And it really does take a little bit of thinking about to get your garden off to the best start. And I'm not necessarily talking about the soil amendment and all that good stuff, although that is really important. Um, but when it comes to planning, really spending time to list out the plants that you want to grow, how many of them you and your family actually use in a year is really well worth the effort. And that's exactly what I've been doing with my family is I've been generating a good couple of lists, I will not lie, um, you know, of all the veggies and fruits and stuff that we typically eat in a year and how much of those we're going to be looking to grow. Now, of course, where we've moved to, I have a lot more land available um, to be able to do that. Like before, like if I had to grow 520 potatoes, I did not have the space to do that. I had space to maybe grow, you know, two or three different potato plants you know or maybe you know 15 potato plants if I dedicated like the test growing bed area for that now I you know I've got a bit more land to be able to consider that um, but I don't have the garden up and running yet everything is just all brush and grass right now um, so there's things like that that you really need to think about and I really use this kind of planning activity as an opportunity for my family to get involved a bit. So I will have, you know, I'll sit down with my husband, give him a cup of coffee and then another cup of coffee and then another cup of coffee and you know we'll kind of talk about you know these are you know this is what I'm thinking what do you think so we'll take potatoes as an example right potatoes and onions I think I'd planned out like 
300 onions and as my husband had kind of pointed out he's like well where did you get that number from and I said well you know originally I thought it was 260 onions because we don't eat something with onions in it every single day but as he pointed out like he uses you know two maybe three onions sometimes cooking in in one meal that then lasts so I'd only really considered using one onion so there's things like that where it's really good to get somebody else's perspective in it so you can make sure that you're really kind of capturing the the full use of it squashes I really like squash um I've got a number of squashes that still need to be used sitting downstairs that I bought from the grocery store wood growing you know eight squash plants be a benefit for us and our family given that we're you know you kind of get to a point with squash where you're thinking not another squash I I can't take another squash you know and you've already like baked it pureed it you've you know turned it into chips or fries you've turned it into pie you've added it to oatmeal you've done all these weird and wonderful things with it and you're just thinking I can't face anymore you know, so really kind of having those kind of conversations and having somebody else to bounce ideas off is really helpful. Um, so let's kind of talk a little bit about that. So let's roll with an example, right? In a year, my family uses about 10 cabbages and 10's being pretty generous. Um, most of it is really used for sauerkraut. Like we eat sauerkraut like way more than we do you know fresh eating cabbage um i would want to be planting 10 cabbage plants at a minimum because one cabbage comes from one cabbage plant right but if we're really going to be self-sufficient about it then i should be thinking of planting maybe 15 maybe even up to 18 cabbage plants why so many more if we only use 10 i can hear you you thinking or asking <laughs> Well, reason number one is so I can share the excess produce with friends and neighbours, right? It's a really good excuse to kind of just have a, have a chat with people, see how they're getting on. Like, hey, I grew this and I've got too much. Would you like one? You know, would, would one of your friends like one? Um, you know, good excuse to kind of interact with people. Um, <laughs> but also reason number two is if anything gets eaten by pests or a hungry mammal or two, you know, I've still got enough to harvest. You know, when I was planting uh, runner beans with my granddad, one for you, one for the slug, one for you, one for the slug. Like every time you plant one, you'd account for one getting getting eaten. Um, and then reason number three is to seed save, right? You want to let, you know, really like five plants go to seed that you can then save the seeds from. That's going to help you have, you know, a healthy genetic diversity of the seeds that you can then use to grow next year. And I know I've done a ton of seed saving podcasts and to really be self-sufficient in your garden, your compost and your seeds really should all be coming from the garden, from the property, right? If you've got a truly self-sufficient, you know, gardening enterprise or a homestead you know you're not really needing external resources coming in you might at the very beginning and that's certainly something we're having to look at is you know having compost and topsoil put in because everything's just there's just so much grass that has gone overboard um there's no way i'm going to be able to dig all of that out um, and remove all the roots and everything with it being you know in a time a time frame that's going to allow us to then grow stuff so you know we're looking at doing you know the sheet mulching lasagna garden type thing so we can actually get growing much sooner but you know really having that mindset of 
you know everything kind of coming in that cycle you know compost from the plants that have been growing on your property you know they break down they become compost you use that in your garden to then help things grow right you've got your seeds you know you plant your plants then you let some things go to flower you save seeds again then you've got more seeds you don't need to be buying seeds every year that's one of the beautiful things about um gardening is really once you've got some seeds um and you've got a somewhere to grow them you know it kind of just self-propagates because that's what plants want to do and you know when it comes to thinking about you know what it is that we're going to be growing you know if you've got a small garden letting one or two plants go to seed at the end of a row is a really easy way to work this kind of seed saving activity into your garden um, you could also consider only growing one variety um, of each type of plant that you want to keep, right? So if you want to keep your plants the same variety, um, let's say that you're really into heirlooms and you want to keep them as such, that's totally fine. Lots of people do that. But let's say that you've got a variety. Um, let's go with carrots, St. Valerie carrots, right? You want to keep those carrots to being St. Valerie carrots each time. So you want to be growing and saving seed, but you're going to have to either grow grow only one variety so it's not going to cross pollinate with anything or you're going to have to look at using some techniques to prevent cross pollination by the insects to your St. Valerie carrots when they're flowering so let's say you've got other varieties of carrots and they're not flowering you're probably going to be okay but if you've got multiple varieties of carrots let's say you've got cosmic purple and dragon carrots as well as your St. Valerie carrots and your ox heart carrots and they're all flowering at the same time then if you're wanting to keep those varieties pure you're going to have to um, invest and learn about about preventing cross-pollination um, so you can help maintain that varietal purity. Now, of course, you could always let things be and pollinate the way that they want to, save the seeds and let it, you know, grow those seeds out again and start creating your own land race variety. In all honesty, that is exactly what I do in my garden. I work full-time too, so I make time for seed saving just like I do with canning and everything else, but I want the plants to really thrive in my garden, so a land race development kind of self-sufficient garden suits me just fine because I don't have time and I don't really have the inclination to be going out there and putting all of this pollination you know cross-pollination prevention cages and stuff in place and then removing them like i don't have time for that um so i'm quite happy with developing a land race that suits me so much more as as a gardener for you you might be really into doing those and you want to be preserving those those varieties and that's totally fine i love growing heirlooms and open pollinated varieties and I will often add those to my garden each year but for me as a gardener I like to let things just kind of pollinate save those seeds from those plants and then grow them again I love doing that and that's kind of how I'm able to make sure that I know what's going to be growing and I'm also you know pretty certain that I'm going to be getting a harvest of things as my plants are beginning to adapt so okay let's go back to the garden planning now that I've digressed into the realm of seed saving um but what if you want to grow a vegetable or fruit where the plant grows more than one so cabbages as an example like you you know you grow one plant per one cabbage right it only yields one I mean it yields smaller ones too but we're not gonna just for simplicity's sake 
one cabbage one plant right but plants like peppers tomatoes squash eggplant and beans they all produce multiple fruits um on one plant so how do you know how many to plant well some of those questions are really answered um down to experience okay I like to keep a garden journal. I know I've talked about this on the podcast multiple times, but I write in my journal different varieties and yields. So I'm able to look back through those notes and see. So in my garden back in Utah, Black Beauty eggplant would produce maybe one, two, if I was really lucky, eggplants per plant. However, there was a Spanish variety and the name of it eludes me right now. Um, but that variety produced five eggplants per plant wow that's that's a lot different from growing you know one or two and i i eat quite a lot of eggplant like i love different italian recipes with eggplant in them um my husband found something on youtube which was like these five different um italian recipes with eggplant and there was one that had it with dark chocolate i've not tried that one yet but wow those recipes are great um but i digress again um you know but having like this this understanding of this is kind of how these varieties have performed i can then start to really make um careful decisions about how many of these plants that i'm going to be growing so let's say you know if i only need 20 eggplants right to suit as um, as a family throughout the year am I gonna try growing 20 different eggplant plants when I could be using that for growing something else or am I only going to be growing you know four maybe five eggplants of the variety that produces so many more probably gonna go with the less that produces more right and if you're in a smaller garden right you've got a small suburban plot or an urban plot then growing you know small but high yielding plants is going to be much more um you know better for you being able to grow more in that space that you have available other times if i'm trying a new variety for example i'll plant maybe two to three plants per person to try some varieties are going to produce more than others and in the case of things like tomatoes what you're going to use the fruits for often plays into your considerations so cherry and grape tomato plants are usually very prolific in producing fruit when my husband is snacking on snap peas in early spring, you'll find me probably snacking on cherry tomatoes in summer. Two cherry tomato plants is more than enough in our household due to, you know, our eating habits and everything else. But canning tomatoes, ah, that is a different story for us. Now, I would plant between 18 and 24 canning type tomatoes for a family of three in my garden in Utah. The majority of our tomato consumption is in the form of canned tomatoes like, you know, crushed tomatoes, stewed tomatoes, passata or um, strained tomatoes and tomato sauce. Right, we use a lot more of those kind of tomato products than, you know, sort of fresh eating tomatoes. And canning type of tomatoes are much better for processing. And I, I, you know, typically enjoy taking vacations from work so I can can produce when it's in season. And we would can tomatoes to see us through all the way until canning season appears again the following year. So it would go from, you know, let's say August, we would have enough canned products for however many times a week we would be needing them from august to august right for a full year now back in utah that was 18 to 24 plants depending on the variety here in maine 
I don't know yet. I don't know what varieties are going to be performing the best in the climate that we have. And I'm not entirely sure on, um, you know, the days to maturity, right? I live in a much colder zone. Um, so this is going to be a really interesting experiment. So, you know, if you only like a few fresh eating tomatoes in the summer, obviously you don't need to try and grow 18 plants, right? You want to stick with two to three per people or per person, sorry. And, you know, maybe try each a different variety so you can try something new if that's how you like to roll. So it's a really good idea to make a list of what you want to grow and figure out how many of them you're going to need to plant in order to supply, you know, you with the food that you want for the year. Um, or if you're just wanting to supplement your groceries, how many you're going to need to partially supply what you use within a year so okay you might have a list of veggies and maybe it looks something like this right five broccoli 20 onions 12 garlic six slicing tomatoes eight pole beans 10 potatoes one zucchini one pumpkin six kale and 12 lettuce right just as a suggestion doesn't have to be like that yours will be totally different okay this is just an example but with this list you want to take a good look at the space that's needed to grow for your plants so you either want to be looking on a seed packet or have a look online some seed companies better than others some seed companies have the spacing what you really need for the final plants to be growing on and they're right there on the seed packet others don't but you can do a quick search online so just put something like plant spacing for and then type in the name of the plant in your favorite search engine for example plant spacing for cowpeas or plant spacing needed for bush beans okay it's going to give you some suggestions that are going to help answer that question you could also check out a vegetable growing book from the library to help with your planning activities to this day, I still pull out gardening books I have had for years to plan the garden. I'm still using books that I was using in the UK. They're still valuable. You know, they still have a wealth of information. And now I've moved to a different state with a shorter climate. Guess what? I'm pulling all of those out again and having another look. Because sometimes there's things that I, you know, haven't, you know, considered because the climate's not been, you know, conducive to to you know the climate in utah for example so i've kind of dismissed some of those things now i'm in a different climate again it's time to revisit and have a look so um you know don't um forget your local library especially um you know if you're trying to you know keep this as a cost effective um you know plan as possible so let's say um you're a zucchini right and then let's say that you've read your seed packet or your book or whatever and it says that it needs about a foot of space in either direction your cabbages need 24 inches in either direction you want to be writing down how much space your list is going to be taking up total right so if you've only got one zucchini plant then plan for one but if you've got six or seven zucchini plants then obviously that's going to be a lot more space that's going to be needed okay you want to be writing down how much space your list is going to take up so you can see if you actually have enough room to grow it all in the garden and i say to do this because there's nothing more worse than coming to spring and you've got a bunch of transplants that you have no room for because you've you know grown too much Okay, there's, I mean, you know, if you can't give it away to a friend, then it has to go in the compost heap and that's really not fun to do. So take your time, 
plan the space and grow and develop your plan to the space that you have available unless of course you kind of want to increase your space that's always an option depending on you know the space that you have available you know add some more containers or whatever start growing vertically there's there's other things that you can do to grow more but let's let's stick with the basics right and one of the things that i like to do when i have how much space my garden's going to be taking or the the plants are going to be taking is I like to go out to the garden and walk the space. I'll take a tape measure, I will sketch in my garden journal, the garden, and kind of like jot down, you know, what's gonna be growing here. So bed one is gonna have parsnips and lettuce in it, for example, right? But I really like to figure out, you know, how many you know in this garden box how many of these plants can i actually put in here can i put other things in there to make better use of the space so can i do parsnips and radishes and lettuce can i do you know other things successionally to be able to use more of that space for those longer growing vegetables so i'll typically pair up something that takes a long time to grow with things that are quick to grow that will be harvested and pulled out before that bigger thing's ready so like cabbage for example i will probably grow cabbage and um spinach together because they are you know different the spinach is low growing it's going to help keep that moisture in um for the cabbage or lettuce that also works too but i'm going to be harvesting and pulling out the spinach or the lettuce way before that cabbage is ready to grow so you know it's going to help things get established it's going to keep the weeds down and i get multiple you know harvests out of that same space and you know those things can get a little complicated but really when i'm sort of figuring out the the bare bones of the garden plan i'm looking at the space that i have the space that's going to be needed for the number of plants that i'm growing and do what you know do the two align like am i going to be able to grow everything and sometimes you know i will have multiple plans that i'm doing so you know as i'm sketching out my garden journal you know marking down where things are going to grow it's going to help me make sure that i've got that space right but i might sketch and plan the garden on paper a number of times before spring planting begins and this isn't unusual for gardeners to kind of have a plan and then sort of be thinking about it you'll be looking through the catalog and you're like oh i really like that one instead Hmm, can I modify my plan to maybe tweak it, add more of this one, less of this one? You know, what, what can I do to change it? So although I will maybe have many iterations of the plan, by the time spring begins, you know, I know where things are going, what I'm going to be growing. And, you know, although the position of the plants might change a little bit, you know, between the, the plans that I've been coming up with, by the time that spring planting date comes, I am quicker than a whippet with a bum full of dynamite out there. And I am planting and getting things in the ground ready to go. So, you know, I don't have to worry about it later. You know, everything is, you know, quick to get into the ground by spring because you want it in as early as you can. So you have that time for your plants to grow. But what if you don't have room to grow everything on your list? right you want to be looking to prioritize those fruits and veggies that you love most and those things that are going to have the higher dollar impact if you grew them rather than bought them from the grocery store let's talk an example kale chard collards all are dead easy to grow 
but they're costing well certainly back in utah they were costing two dollars fifty a bunch from the grocery store and you can grow those at a fraction of that kale collards and chard all grow really abundantly and they all have multiple harvests from one plant meaning that you're gonna get more bang for your buck by growing it right if you only grew one kale plant you're not gonna get one bunch of kale off that plant you were gonna get five six seven maybe even more than that right before the you know weather turns you know not favorable to that type of plant i.e gets too hot right um but what i'm saying is that you're gonna have a lot more money savings by growing that because if you eat let's say 10 bunches of kale in a year and you grew two plants well you've got more than 10 bunches of kale there that you have been growing and it will have cost you a fraction of the cost because in a seed packet you're getting you know maybe a hundred plus kale seeds in a seed packet for you know four dollars maybe 450 at the most i mean that's somewhat depending on where you shop for your your garden seeds there's a seed company here in maine that has you know seed packets at less than two dollars for some things so it really depends and it's worth shopping around for your seeds too but that, this is what i'm saying like you can have a a much more cost effective garden if you're able to prioritize like these things i'm buying from the grocery store but they're expensive but the seeds are really cheap for me to grow so that's that's one way that you can look at it now i love to grow collards kale and swiss chard in the garden like they're wonderful fresh from the garden if i can stop the doggies from snaffling them when i'm not looking but having these kind of leafy green plants and stuff they're always good to have in the garden and they offer some really interesting ornamental value too as you know especially if you're trying to work it in with growing flowers and other things in the garden as well so never underestimate the the power of growing greens now you should have your list of plants how many you need you know what you're going to be able to grow in the space the last question and this one is probably the hardest to answer and that is what varieties are you going to grow and there's a couple of ways that you can decide this you can start by looking through the seed catalog right you can start thinking about what it is that you're really liking um you know what varieties are catching your eye right that's a really good way to to do it is just looking at those seed catalogs and kind of circling things or highlighting them like these are varieties that i would quite like to try um you know that's one way that you can do it you could do it by um just deciding you know these are the varieties that interest me the most um you could try growing tried and true favorites ones that family friends or neighbors have recommended or other people in your community you could choose ones that um, have been highlighted as being popular or bestseller or staff favorite varieties from a seed supplier or you could just be choosing things that are fast growing or easy to grow you know things that have a short number of days to maturity because they're going to be quick growing things that are in your garden so you're going to have you know a quicker harvest right which is always fun right <laughs> if you get a quicker harvest um and your choice on how you're choosing your vegetables and things is really down to you 
right i have chosen varieties just because of the description alone there's been no um picture or anything with them but the story behind them interested me enough that i wanted to try and grow them other times i have looked at varieties and grown them just on their looks sometimes it's just because of a name right i will not lie i grew an entire garden of varieties that had a space theme like anything to do with space you know whether it was named after a cosmonaut or an astronaut or you know it was named after a planet or something or now not a planet um as the case may be um you know or a, a shuttle right like apollo arugula for example um i grew those plants just because of the name because i thought it was fun and i knew there was no way my husband was going to say no because he's such a space nerd so <laughs> there was you know there's different reasons for doing stuff right me as a gardener i hate growing only one variety i love diversity in the garden i love diversity on the plate and for example with the humble spud right my husband only really likes russet potatoes but me on the other hand i love purple potatoes blue potatoes red potatoes yellow potatoes you know different textures different sizes like i love those waxy potatoes that i had in the uk i love the big flowery kind of russety potatoes too I'd love to let volunteer plants grow in the garden, right? That's how we discovered our new green pole bean that turns dark purple when it's ready to harvest as a drying bean or a seed, right? That happened totally by accident in my garden. And that's kind of discovery is something that I love to have happen. And I can't wait for, you know, the temperatures and stuff to be back where I can grow it again and try growing it here in Maine. I also love to allow the pollen to move however the wind and the insects decide it to move in the garden right i love having that genetic diversity that's happening with different plant varieties being pollinated together i'm saving those seeds and growing them out again right i love having that you know thriving kind of garden that is just one big exciting experiment year after year and that's why i love growing to this kind of land race kind of philosophy and this year I'm really choosing varieties that are originally from the northeast that are going to be growing with seeds that I've saved from my garden last year, as well as a couple of other varieties that I quite like or I've not had a chance to grow out yet. So I'll add in some plants that just strike my interest, maybe out of seeds that I already have, or maybe it's something new from a local seed supplier right i'll just kind of add those in or you know maybe it's something like i like the shape or the color of the plant like i don't know a beautiful red leaf lettuce or maybe it's a tomato variety that i've not had the chance to grow out yet on you know some random little packet that i've got in there or you know sometimes it's just a variety that i'm drawn to for no reason whatsoever or maybe it's the story that i like or maybe i'm looking through the giant tote of seeds that i have and i'm like oh oh i didn't even know i had this one i wonder what this one tastes like so you know there's there's a lot of that that kind of goes into how i garden i'm i'm quite a um eclectic gardener i think um but each garden is different and your choice of you know what seeds you're going to be growing are going to be very different to mine and that's okay and whatever reason for growing you're going to need to stick with the number of plants that you've planned to put into the garden from your list so you want to be starting your seeds and you want to be starting them in enough time that you've got for things to to grow so if you've got like long growing 
you know, a long season plants, but you're only in, you know, a short growing season like I am, you're going to be starting your seeds really soon. And that's going to be a very exciting time of the year. I may have already got my seed starting stuff set up. I can't wait to get started. Um, but this is where having that plan is going to really help you because it's going to make sure that you're able to get things started on time. You've got things moving out into the garden at the right rate and you've got space for all of these things to grow okay because we don't want to be ending up where we've sown loads of things and we don't have anywhere to put them because that's going to be really frustrating and then you're going to end up having to either give them away which you might not want to do or you're going to have to put them in the compost bin or maybe you're going to end up having to like buy a bunch of containers and soil mixtures and stuff so you can actually grow all these and we, we don't want you to be spending more money than you have to right <laughs> none of us want to be doing that so making sure that you've got your plan together right how much it is that you're going to be growing what it is that you're going to be growing right and the varieties like really choosing those early before you kind of get too caught up in what it is that you know you're going to be sowing and growing and one of the best tips that I can give you as somebody who loves to grow all the things and you know I I'm very much distracted by all the gardening catalogs that have come through like there was one year where I had just asked my husband like can you get the mail and if this comes just put it in the recycling so I don't have to see it um, but you know one of the things that I found is once I have my list if I already have the seeds like here you know already I've already got them they're already part of my seed collection I will take all those seeds out and I will put them into another box and I will keep them there with the seed starting stuff, the calendar and all that good stuff, right? Ready for, for the garden. And all of my other seeds and stuff, the totes that I have, they go back to the seed storage area, which is, you know, well out the way of, of the house. Um, so it's, it's not there tempting me to be you know, sowing more or oh, I'll just add another variety. I'll, I'll just add another one. Okay. Because then that way I'm able to stick with, this is what we're going to be growing and it saves all the frustration later on. Until next time, I hope you found this episode useful. Um, pop on over to the Facebook group and say hello. And um, I hope that your garden grows beautifully and I'll see you all next week.